When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm really excited about today's guest, Stephen Turner. He's an executive employee leadership expert, so we'll find out what all of that means, but he's going to talk about employee engagement, disengagement, um, career success. He's got a really interesting story. So Steve, welcome. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Yeah. Um, Hope you're having a good day. Yeah. Kind of tell people your backstory, how you got started, and, and we'll get right into it. Sure. Well, um, <clears throat> my business career started uh, when I was 20 years old at uh, UPS. I was on the management team there for 34 years. And um, I got started, I was a sophomore in college. And so when I got, I got an opportunity to uh, be a supervisor early <clears throat> while I was still going to school, which was interesting. But I learned something quickly when I first got started because at the ripe old age of 20, nobody in their 20s wants to report to somebody that's only 20. <laughs> and most of the people that I had on my team were older than I was. So I had to deal with this right off the bat. And my first, my first day, I had my first challenge. But I decided this. I decided that I would just simply treat them the way that I'd like to be treated. Hmm. It worked right. on day one, and it's worked every day for the last 45 years. So yeah. that's um, how I got started. I went to college, finished college, went full-time management at UPS. And again, as I said before, was there for 34 years. I spent uh, five years in Europe during UPS's initial international expansion. Uh, I was blessed to be able to work in uh, 10, well, 11 different countries while I was over there. And I was a finance director of all the small countries. So I had all the Scandinavian countries, Austria, Belgium, the Netherlands, Greece, Turkey, and Ireland. And after all of that, and I got back to the, to the States and went into the technology group to build financial systems that UPS uses worldwide. I uh, went, left UPS in an early retirement, uh, went into coaching, and I realized something very valuable, that while I was in Europe, I learned that cultures vary, but hearts do not. So people are basically the same all over. If you treat them right, they'll follow you. If you abuse them, they may obey you, but they won't be following very willingly. And then you get into a whole other story of uh, you know, one of the long-lasting issues in, uh, in the business world, when it comes to employee management relationships. Uh, one more significant thing. 
UPS is an organization that, uh, though you won't find it in writing anywhere, is basically if you do well, you're left alone. And I was left alone for 34 years. The way I learned to lead people came as a result of having the opportunity to basically treat people correctly and then adjust, you know, for the different conditions along the way and all that cool stuff. But that's a really quick synopsis of uh, my life. Right now, I've got the coaching business going. My wife's got an online legging store. So we're on the entrepreneurial space now. Mm, interesting. So, uh, you know, uh, I love that uh, story because, you know, me, my colleagues and I, we were talking about how just, you know, basically corporate culture is very lopsided. It's kind of like you have the C-suite and they accumulate all the everything for themselves and then kind of they use their employees. So kind of talk about this um this history or culture that created this or that created employee disengagement and the shortfalls that resulted in employee disengagement. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love this topic. I wish it wasn't there, but I still love it. <laughs> so the whole thing started really when you go back to the Industrial Revolution in 1850 in the United States. And, you know, when the farmers came off the fields where farmers are 100 percent in control of their life. Whatever happens, they're responsible. They have nobody else to run to. The person they're responsible for is staring at them in the mirror every morning. So as a result, they had to manage their crops or manage their livestock. They had to, you know, go through the life cycles of their of their product, sell it, pay the banker back if he borrowed money to buy some seed or some cattle, and uh, manage the rest of the money for the rest of the year. And then one year later, the whole cycle starts over. Those folks who were responsible for their lives move into the factories, and now somebody else is telling them what to do. And mm. instead of getting paid once or twice a year, they're getting paid once or twice a week or once once or every one or two weeks. And it changes the whole mindset about managing money. So when, it, when you get to the topic of living paycheck to paycheck, farmers did the same thing. They just had a whole big cycle to deal with. You know, when you start getting paid as often as we are today, then the paycheck to paycheck period just gets shorter and shorter and shorter. Anyway, as a result of uh, managing people back then and continuing today, unfortunately, tend to run business based on numbers and they forget about the fact that it's people that do the work. And you can see the first impact of that six years later in 1856 when the first labor unions showed up. So right there, right there, you've got the employees saying, hold on, I want something to, I want to have an impact in my life. So that's what happened. And then in 1895, we had a gentleman named Frederick Winslow Taylor, who was kind of recognized as business's first industrial engineer. And nothing wrong with industrial engineers. They're great people. UPS has a tremendous department of IE people. But his focus was so much on numbers, it became the standard. So everybody managed based on numbers and just kept demanding results. Okay, well, that doesn't help too much when it's people that do the work. So now businesses grow. You've got the C-suite doing exactly what you said. They, they establish business plans. Let me be clear about one thing. There's nothing wrong with numbers. Numbers tell you if you're successful or lack thereof. 
So when when business leaders, CEOs, C-suite, and all those folks up there make business decisions for the year, the business plan for the year, let's say, revenue targets, cost targets, profit targets, service levels, and all those good, good things, that number message starts at the top, flows through the organization, gets down to the person that has one of the hardest jobs in a business. That's the frontline supervisor. Mm. Because that person has to take the number message, translate it into an inspirational message to motivate his team to want to do the work. Because we are only as successful as those folks on the street. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, they're not trained to do that. I was never, I was never trained to do that. Mm -hmm. I've never heard of anybody ever being trained for it, apart from what we do. So right there, you've got a built-in fail uh, spot for failure. And now employees become disengaged. It's interesting. I had a, a I was on a webinar this morning that I gave to another organization. And one of the topics I talked about, and I'll, it's the same th thing here, obviously. You get small business get started. It's the owner and a handful of people. Everything's rosy. The business starts to grow. Someplace between the everything's rosy on this side to the next statistic, which is 85% of employees are not fully engaged in their work, which comes as a result of the management pro, uh, procedures and processes that are used to lead employees and they don't know how to lead. So now they're managing instead of leading. So somewhere between the rosy stuff and the not so good stuff on the other <laughs> side, what in the world happened? Hmm. And it really comes down to the fact that we don't treat employees as individuals that are very in, they're very interested in their own development as well as doing a good job for business. So if leaders would simply take the take the approach of treating people as people, uh, have conversations with each one to determine what their personal goals are, and then include that in the process of leading the business, they will follow. I've done it for 45 years. There's no question here. And it's, it's just a whole lot more fun, not to yeah. mention getting great results. So that's a long answer to your question. Yeah. And what's what's interesting is you have, you know, compounding what you have and you have like information, you have technology, you have AI, and then you have mm -hmm. like growing distrust in, you know, institutions and people in leadership positions and kind of people, you know, believing that the system is rigged and they can't. And then on top of that, you have COVID where you saw the, you know, yeah. the response from you know, how the government handled yeah. that. And it's kind of like, you have just this, this recipe for disaster. Um, so kind of talk about this. That's why we have a lot of entrepreneurs and I talked to a lot of uh, groups and a lot of them are now, instead of <clears throat> focused on working for a company, they're actually focused on starting their own company. Yep. So mm -hmm. kind of, um, kind of talk about this. Um, uh, how can we find the road back? Like what's, What's the overall solution and method of implementation and long-term reason for success? Well, that, that, there's a lot in that question, so let's rock and roll with that. Well, first of all, it is true that as of right now, 57% of people coming out of their education, whatever it is, you know, college, 
community college, trade schools, it really doesn't matter, are going into business for themselves. And that's a pretty high number, which means that corporate America or big business has fewer people to draw from as far as funding and supporting their growth. Okay, so that's just a reality. Now, you mentioned the pandemic. The pandemic really brought brought to the surface the things I've been talking about here. So when people had a chance to stay home and do their eight-hour job over a 12-hour period, basically, so they can work in their family things and all that kind of stuff, they got used to the flexibility. Now, when the pandemic winds down, people are called to come back to the office. They don't want to go. (laughs) They would rather try something on their own. And that's evident because in 1920, excuse me, 2022, about 47 million people quit their corporate jobs. Mm. Now, some of them realized they needed to go back to work. So they went back to work and believe it or not, in, in 2023, 51 million people quit. Mm. So there were lots of people that quit in both years, but they're bailing. Mm. They don't want to deal with the, the strong-armed leadership pro- uh, processes with no consideration for people. It doesn't mm. work, especially since the pandemic bubbled all this stuff to the surface. The yeah. issue was there. It's been there since... Well, since the Industrial Revolution, the whole thing started. So businesses need to be more flexible and treat people as people. And if they would, they'll follow. There's no question there. I did it. Mm. Corporate America, and we've done it in our entrepreneurial activities here. It doesn't matter the size of the business. What matters is the approach with people. So if corporations are going to have enough people to grow, it would be a whole lot better if they would lead or first of all, train their management people to be true leaders. And that can be done easily. We do it all the time, but it really comes down to simply how are we treating our employees? Are we listening? Are we doing what's best for them while we're doing what's best for the business? Both sides can happen at the same time. Well, that's it in a nutshell. Now, One of the things, this 85% number, 85% of employees not fully engaged, is a number that's been reported by Gallup for 33 years, from 1990 to current. Now, the issue was much longer, but that's when the statistic's been reported. So when the statistic comes out, business leaders hear it. They may say, gee, I wonder if that's happening in my business. So... Maybe they think, well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. Let's have a seminar. I remember when the the buzzword was empowerment. There were seminars on empowerment all over the place. There's just one problem. Uh-huh. When the seminar was over and that business leader, including me, when I came back into the office, everything reverted back to where it was three days ago. Nothing happened. And the word empowerment wasn't wasn't uttered for the rest of the season. Ten months later, the process starts over. And it's been going on that way for 33 years. Because you can't change anything unless two things are there. Two, number one, business leaders need to know what their employees think and what bugs them. 
And it doesn't, it doesn't work if we think we know. What mm -hmm. only works is if we really know. So assessment tools are available to get a read on what employees say. UPS was great at this, did the employee relations index every single year for as long as I can remember. And uh, good things came out of it. But once you, once you know what that number is and you say, oh, man, we're hurting kind of bad right over here, right? We need to get over here. There has to be intention. You can't get a number and sit down and hope that something happens. So when action plans are put together, along with the, the real statistic, then you have a fighting chance of making it to where you need to be. And that can be done as well. Both steps yeah. have to be there. The assessment and the action plan to get over here. Yeah. And then it has to keep going. And when when you lead people correctly and train them correctly, within the process of employee onboarding, you establish beginning on day one the process it takes to develop an employee long term. And if people would just do it, they'll be there at the end of the long term because mm -hmm. they want to be there. People flee managers. They don't flee companies. If you develop them so that they are successful in your organization, while at the same time being, being developed personally, you create opportunities for employees. But you also do this. You encourage them to not leave you. So Richard Branson had a perfect description of this. It's better than if I try to explain it. This is it. He said, train people so they're good enough to leave, but treat them so they don't want to. Mm. And it's, it's true. I had very few people leave me in all my assignments at UPS because yeah. they were, we had a good time and did yeah. well. Yeah. And I know, uh, I know UPS, the drivers, you know, they, there's a, there was an article, they treat the drivers really well. It's like a really good benefits package. And it's actually quite interesting because there was a report, you know, there were UPS drivers make a better living than, than doctors, which was very eye opening and um, kind of just like, uh, you know, kind of because doctors, they start out 10, 20 years behind because they have to do all this training and they're in debt. Yeah, but then yeah. like UPS drivers, like you start out, you have a good salary, you know, you good management and good benefits and you actually come out farther ahead you know and then you know it takes 20 years for doctors to catch up to so um really interesting um go ahead i know you there, had a thought there's no there's no doubt that the the drivers are i have to say at ups all the employees are important but i'll tell you what the drivers are face to face with our with our customers every day see i'm still saying our and i'm not even there <laughs> and they have great relationships with the customers you can tell at Christmas, they're well treated. <laughs> I know we took care of our driver and our business here now. So uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's all good. Awesome. Um, really fantastic discussion. How can people contact you, follow you, check out your work? You have really interesting ideas, and I love this idea where people is getting into the mainstream where corporate, like the whole mentality, needs to change. And um, so, how can they follow you? Okay. Well, we can. You can find me on my website. Our website is uh, www.flow-business-solution-singular.com. My email ID is the same. It's steve at flow-business-solution.com. 
You can find me at uh, LinkedIn. There's a number of Steve Turners there. So to find the, fir- the right one, my extension is S.W. Turner, S.W. Turner. Our phone number, our office phone number is uh, 283, oh, excuse me, <laughs> 267-753-5568. I do know where I work. So it's uh, 267-753-5568. And you can also contact us off the website as well. Yeah. And for all the audience out there, let's thank Steve for a great discussion. I really love the historical backdrop. Um, all of his resources will be in the links and show notes. And with that, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate being here.